Welcome to the Goal Line Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Mike Yostrowski in association with Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are back. Yes, I'm doing the intro once again. So we're back. It's your boy KB right here on the Goal Line Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Underground Sports Philadelphia and our fine friends at trophysmack.com. And this week, we're joined by a new face. He's part of the network. He has his own podcast. And uh, he's all the way up in Massachusetts. The boy, the man, the myth, the legend. Mr. Patty Pitts, what's going on, brother? Kyle, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, and I'm, I'm ready to dip my toes into the underground Philly world. Dude, thanks for hopping on the show. Uh, what we do here, we got to dive into uh, these these crazy things happening around the league. Biggest news of the day as we record this on Tuesday night. Carolina Panthers finally cut the cord. They are moving on from Ron Rivera this is huge news to me because Ron Rivera has kind of been a staple with that organization, took them to a Super Bowl, has been one of the kind of staple head coaches in the league since he got to Carolina. What were your thoughts when you saw Ron Rivera no longer the head coach in Carolina? I was honestly shocked. I I did not think that this was warranted. Yes, the Panthers are off to not a good start, you have to remember, though, you're playing in the NFC South. You're not playing in a division like the NFC West where it's three or four, all four teams competing for a playoff spot. You're in a division where the Saints are going to take that division to win. You're without Cam Newton. Kyle Allen has been, he was great and then just became serviceable backup material. You have the best, in my opinion, the MVP of the league in Christian McCaffrey. And you have a Pretty good defense. You signed Gerald McCoy at the start of the season. He hasn't done a bad job. It's just that this team, I think, don't think has an identity yet. And I think they got a little trigger happy with the bad start. So, obviously, when that happens, who does, who does it usually fall on? The head coach. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the biggest thing you bring up is they don't have an identity. Kyle Allen is a, a napkin. Like he's he's nothing really. He has no personality, and their personality for you know the better half of this decade, more than pretty much this entire decade, has been Cam Newton, and he hasn't really played this year because he's been injured. Um, so with him being out, the Panthers are five and seven. They're in second place in the NFC South, but that's in a division that also has Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and the New Orleans Saints, who are going to the playoffs. They already locked up the division. The Panthers are like on life support, trying to fight for a wild card spot that they will not get. That's it. It's and that's the other thing too. You could talk about the wild card spot and say, "Oh, we could fight for that," but there are five teams better for a, a number two wild card spot. And the Panthers, they're not a bad team. Like they're not a bad team. They have talent. They, they have a lot of talent. Just sit out the year. It, I use this phrase a lot, but you know, just punt the ball. 
just punt the ball off to the next season. I don't see the. I I think this was a really bad mistake. Yeah, I mean it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because not only are they moving on from Ron Rivera, they're moving coaches around. Uh, their secondary coach is now their interim coach. North Turner is becoming a special assistant to the head coach, and you know there's a new offensive coordinator. So, outside of Christian McCaffrey, who knows what's going to happen with this team moving forward from a real life perspective and a fantasy perspective. And that's the thing too that I'm happy North Turner is going to be in that role because that means that Christian McCaffrey's production load will not be touched. He's going to be the vocal point of that offense still, which is great. One for fantasy owners and two for Panthers fans. The big thing now is that I've heard rumors of Cam Newton being dealt at the end of the season. Your receiving core is too young, in my opinion, and doesn't have that number one guy to rely on because you have DJ Moore and you have Curtis Samuel. You need that one of them to kind of rise up to the occasion, and none of them have done that for me so far. Um and I don't – they need work on the offense. Defense is fine. It's just that they need to work on that's the offense, and North Turner has been such an offensive-minded coach his entire career. Yeah, the defense, they just need to stay healthy, and I think they need to get younger. That defense is pretty old. Uh, you brought up Gerald McCoy. He's no spring chicken, although he's still a very talented player. He's, you know, he's older. This defense is old. They need to start getting younger on the defensive side of things, and they need kind of that, you know, experienced veteran quarterback. And – you move on from Ron Rivera. Cam Newton put a tweet out that this one hit deep uh, from his Instagram. There was a post saying that this firing is, you know, it hit him deep and everything. But if the the reports of this team moving on from Cam Newton, if they do this now, Carolina Panthers fans need to kind of buckle in and get ready for a, a pseudo rebuild because it's going to be a while to find a head coach with the pedigree of Ron Rivera and what he was able to do. And finding a talented quarterback like Cam Newton who changed the face of that franchise as soon as they brought him in in the draft. Do you see Carolina drafting, trying to wait that year and just going to go in for their bid for Trevor Lawrence or a quarterback like that? Go start young at the QB position because you have that elite running back and kind of base your offense around him and just kind of say, we'll, the, we'll make our quarterback a game manager. It'll be interesting. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the bigger questions, especially since they are in that kind of middle ground. They're five and seven. It's not like they're you know a two win team where they can kind of be at the top and go get a guy like uh, you know Tua or something like that who might drop a little bit below the number one overall pick. But this Panthers team has got a lot of questions surrounding it now without a head coach and potentially moving on from Cam Newton because not only did I see rumors about them moving on. Today I saw rumors that uh, Saints fans want to bring him in as the backup to Drew Brees next year once Teddy Bridgewater gets his bag in free agency. That would be absolute chaos in the NFC South. I'm I'm trying to digest that one. I, I really am. That's tough. If that happens, then Sean Payton's not using him at quarterback, and we got Taysom Hill 2.0. It would be absolutely ridiculous because you also have to realize how much longer does Drew Brees have? You know, he's going to be in his 40s. How much longer does he play? And then you let Cam Newton kind of just rest up as a backup and then take the reins over in New Orleans. Panthers fans would absolutely lose their minds. That would, that would spark a rivalry like no other. It would it reignite would that bad boy 110%. 
Oh, I'm, I'm, I, now that I say it more and I'm thinking about it more, I kind of want to see it to happen. Let's it'd just be, create chaos. It'd be absolutely stupid. Uh, so now you throw the Saints fairy tale into the mix. You obviously had the Bears rumors because, as we say on this show, Mitchell Trubisky stinks. And I think that's the more likely destination if the Panthers move on from Cam Newton now is that he ends up with the Chicago Bears and taking over from Mitch. I would I would like to see that, but the Bears, I do not think, have a first-round pick this year because they traded away for Cleo Mack. So this would be their best option, and you can trade away your first or second round in the next draft. So that would be the only logistic way to do it. I think from a football standpoint, it would be huge because now you give Al Robinson a good quarterback to throw the ball. Anthony, I mean, Anthony Miller becomes valuable in the fantasy game. And David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, two-headed monster at in the backfield, you give them more value too. So I think that would become uh, an electric offense if Cam Newton had graced the Bears uniform. It would be absolutely insane. One guy who... Uh fans are hoping is out of their team's uniform after this season because they've gone full heel turn is Miami Dolphins running back Kalen Balazs. He was placed on injured reserve today and the Dolphins claim Zach Zenner off of waivers from the Cardinals. Kalen Balazs in 12 games this year, Patty Pitts, 74 rushing attempts, 135 yards, three touchdowns, and will finish the season averaging 1.8 yards per carry which I believe is an NFL record. Okay, my I'm a big Kalen Balaj fan. I think he just did not get his. He just had didn't have his moment. He didn't have a chance to shine because there's been the the Dolphins' backfield in the past three years has been a revolving door. Even old man Frank Gore up in Buffalo even passed through there in uh, his career. So I don't think he got the attention that he deserved. I think he's a great, a good running back. We saw what happened with Kenyon Drake when he went over to Saw what happened in 2017 when Jay Ajayi went to the Eagles. Exactly. So I do not think that this is a Kalen Balaj issue. I think it is a Miami Dolphins running game issue. And they have no offensive line, but very, very absurd to see a running back finish a season, granted four games short of a full season, averaging less than two yards per carry. That's bad. That is really bad. I will give you that, though. <laughs> I, I, I can't stick up for my boy Kalen in that regard, but everything else, I, I, I have to stay true to him. The last bit of news that kind of affects more of the quarterback in this situation and how it's been a revolving door is my Philadelphia Eagles finally cut the cord on wide receiver Mac Hollins. Has not caught a pass since the month of September, and it's about damn time. He has not been good. He's been on the field too much to not be doing anything. And this just goes to prove my theory and point that people want to bash Carson Wentz all season long for having a bad season. You know, let's just cut guys that have been on the field for him the past two weeks and all season long and expect him to still be a superstar quarterback. It's impossible. So the Eagles make another move. They promote uh, Sua Opita, an offensive lineman, from the practice squad to the active roster, some more offensive line depth. But please, save your Carson Wentz slander because the more this season goes on, the more we see weapons kind of just revolve through Philadelphia, 
the more of a, a reprieve and pass I give Carson Wentz because you can't be consistent when the guys on the field with you are different each and every week. I, I'll let you be the Eagles expert here, but I, the, only, I, the only thing I have to say about this matter is that I do agree that Carson Wentz is not the issue. Carson Wentz is one of the most talented young quarterbacks in the league, and if it wasn't for the sensational seasons that Mahomes and Lamar Jackson had back-to-back, I think Carson Wentz would still be the most talked-about young quarterback. With that being said, though, he doesn't have any receivers. He has no one to throw to. Alshon's fine is back finally. It's amazing what happens when a wide receiver is healthy. Yeah, and before Alshon spent some time on the injury list, he was. I felt like every Eagles offensive possession I watched, I felt like Alshon Jeffrey was targeted at least six of those times. And that's what he needs. He needs a wide receiver like that. Alshon Jeffrey, when he is at his peak, is a tier two wide receiver in the league. You combine that with what should have been a healthy Deshaun Jackson, who I absolutely love, and he goes down, probably will not play again. Those two guys were supposed to be your bread and butter, and now you're at the table starving. So I don't know. Yeah, you talk about Alshon's target share. He has not had a game this season that he's played in. Obviously, he missed the Atlanta and Detroit game earlier this season. But uh, in games he's played in, he's had at least five targets in every game. And this past week against the Dolphins, even in a loss, a stupid loss, Alshon had 16 targets in this game. That's the most he's had all season since the Minnesota game where he had 12, another dynamic game for him. If you feed Alshon and give him the consistency, he's going to perform for you. And we saw that when he was in Chicago. We saw it in 2017 when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And we're seeing it, you know, in spurts here. When you give Alshon double-digit targets, he's going to produce for you. And that's what he's supposed to do. That's his number. He is the number one guy, and he's he can do that, but he needs kind of a supporting cast. He needs guys like Deshaun Jackson to come in there and kind of spread the wealth from there. I don't want to say his name because I feel like he's kind of an enemy in Philly at this point, but Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, you need guys to be consistent, and we haven't had that at all for Carson this year. Nothing. You've had nothing, and I I, want to let you – you want the Eagles to be a good team. They're they're fun when they're good, but now it's just – It's absolute torture when they stink. I, I wasn't going to bring up the Dolphins' loss, and I'm not going to bring it up to the extent that uh, a gloating Pats fan, if you want to call it, oh, should. Oh, please. But what I will say is that that is a brutal loss, especially in the state that Dallas is in right now. That needed to be a lock-up, mortal lock win of the week, and the Dolphins ran what should have been the Indianapolis Colts' yep. special teams pick. I, I had flashbacks to that play, and I was like, why are we not calling timeout? But, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Last bit of around-the-league news regards a former Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. Nick Foles gets benched mid-game. Gardner Minshew comes back in. Doug Marone announces Gardner Minshew is going to be the starting quarterback moving forward for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think, you know, when it comes to this offense, there's going to be more consistency now because the wide receivers like D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Chark, they have kind of that, you know, camaraderie with Gardner Minshew because he played eight games this season, went four and four. Times he looked good, times he looked like a rookie. You're going to have that with a sixth-round pick, but I think for the wide receiver's sake and for a guy like Leonard Fournette, this is a 
big development. I think it's going to improve their fantasy stock for the rest of the playoffs that we have for fantasy football. Yeah, Garner Minshew was the best thing that happened to Jacksonville this year. He has been electric. And I'm not talking about off-the-field stuff with his workout routines and anything. He, he, When he plays football, you just smile because that is how – it's just he's having fun out there. Not only that, he knows what he is. He's six-round pick or whatever. But he's just going out there and playing, and that's what Jacksonville needs this year. The problem is that he had – they just – they don't have a good team around, an offense right now around them. They still need them. They're missing pieces from that AFC Championship game up in uh, New England. I think this was the right move. They need to think young. Jacksonville was at its best when they rely on their young players. And I think Nick Foles, just don't worry. It's okay. Just ride hot hand. That's all Doug Marone's doing. He's just Agreed. riding hot hand. And you, you got to inject some sort of you know spark into this team where – they're probably not going to make the playoffs, but you can you can give them that kind of hope because of how tight the AFC South is. Yeah, you got to give them some sort of just hope that they can do this. They can pull off this Cinderella story, if you want to call it. You can you already knew immediately that Nick Foles. It just felt weird when they announced that he was going to start. You know, I all they did pay the man. They so you got to. Start the man that you're paying the big bucks to. But sometimes that just doesn't work out. It just doesn't work out, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of back in the day for a lot of people that might remember when uh, good old Matty Flynn threw six touchdowns for the Green Bay Packers a couple times, signed a big free agent contract with the Seattle Seahawks, and then never played a game because they drafted Russell Wilson. And look where they are now. One Super Bowl win later. Russell Wilson, potential MVP season this year. You just got to do what you got to do when it comes to playing your best players. And right now, Gardner Minshew is playing better than Nick Foles. So I can't it's knock a the Jaguars. It's a business. That's all. At the end of the day, it's a business, and you have to do what's best for your business. And the Jaguars are doing what's best for the business right now. Tons of top performers this week in the fantasy realm for a lot of people trying to clinch the playoffs. I, unfortunately, in both of my leagues, will be on the couch this fantasy postseason. Uh, but I did lock up the number three overall pick in my big money trophy league. Good so job. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, some big time performers that probably helped a lot of people lock up playoff spots. Number one, fantasy performer of the week PPR wise with 37.70 fantasy points is your boy, Pat Pitts, James White. James White did that thing where. Patriots were not moving the ball downfield, and he just said, Tom, give it to me two yards out, and I'm going to run it. And he, 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 it's a constant play that Pats fans see and either jump for joy or cringe when it happens. Right, if you're a fantasy owner this week, you are jumping for joy on your couch. James White actually ran the ball more than he caught the ball this week. He had 14 rushing attempts for 79 yards, and then he caught eight passes on 11 targets for 98 yards and two touchdowns in a loss to the Houston Texans, which was just a, a super fun game. James White kept the Patriots in it. And uh, if you're moving forward, you have to say you trust James White more than any other running back in that backfield in New England. I I, I trust Tony Michelle, and I trust Rex Burkett. I trust the backfield because this is my big thing with that loss, is that I'm okay with it. 
The Patriots were in a much worse situation last season. Much worse. They didn't even have an identity last season. We have an identity. The boogeyman. It's our defense. Our defense is going to win us a Super Bowl this year. Okay, boom. There's your identity. Now you just got to get the offense to do its job. And it's not doing its job right now. And a lot of people are saying, oh, well, here's the cliff that Mac Tellerman talks about all the time. And all this. No, Brady just doesn't have receivers. You saw him extremely frustrated on the field. I mean, people saying, oh, he threw his helmet and all that. No, he just, he's deflated. Opted I mean, up. John Boyd did the breakdown of reading his lips and everything. He just wants his guys to perform, and you can't knock him for it. And James White stepped up, even in a loss. Imagine, I'm going to, all right. I'm going to try to give kind of a metaphor here to that explains Tom Brady's frustration. It's Christmas morning. You wake up, and everything on your Christmas list, Santa brought to you. You play with those gifts. You love them. And then, say, two weeks later, they're gone. You got to go back to your old stuff. Or the hand-me-downs. They haven't worn in a while. That's what it is like right now for Tom Brady. You took his toys away and Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon. Jules is getting double covered because at the beginning of the season, he was the number three receiver. You were supposed to have Demarius Thomas that you just dumped to the Jets because you thought he wasn't going to be enough. And then he finally is healthy and is now stuck in that hellhole of a New York Jets organization. And now Tom Brady doesn't have anyone. And he's like, where did, where did my gifts go? So I don't panic. I'm not hitting the panic button. I don't even know where the panic button is because I'm not looking for it. Yeah, out of the three running backs for the fantasy playoff stretch, though, I think I trust James White the most out of the three, especially with the two matchups that the Patriots have coming up. You have the Kansas City Chiefs, who have just a Swiss cheese defense, and then, you know, fantasy semifinals, you're at the Bengals, who just got their first win of the season. You should be able to torch that defense. And then fantasy playoffs, you play a divisional game against Buffalo. Sure, you might have to you know, rethink some things there, but it's a divisional game. Anything can happen. I like James White for the fantasy playoffs a lot. Another guy I like for the fantasy playoffs absolutely torched, torched my Philadelphia Eagles this week. Devontae Parker, his breakout season. This, this entire season, Pat Pitts, he has had just two games under double-digit fantasy points, and that was in Week 2 where uh, the Dolphins just didn't show up against your Patriots. And then at Dallas was held to 8.6 uh, full-point PPR fantasy points. This week, 34.9, had 10 targets, 7 catches, 159 yards, and 2 touchdowns. His fantasy playoffs could not be any better. This week, Miami is at the Jets. The following week, they're probably just going to stay over because they're at the Giants. And then the fantasy finals for most teams in Week 16, they're at home in Miami against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's not bad. That is someone that you could sneak in at a flex position and potentially win your league because of that move. He's someone who every every week is going to get targets because who else is there to throw to in Miami? And on top of that, he's talented. Not a lot of players on that Miami Dolphins offense are talented. Devontae Parker would be a number two receiver on any other team in the NFL. It just kind of stinks that he's stuck in Miami. But the good news about fantasy football is it doesn't matter if the team is good. It matters about the player. I think if he gets a lot of targets, he can continue that streak, kind of ranging around that 12 to 14 point uh, weekly point earning, whatever you want to call it. I would love Devontae Parker at a nice flex position. 
And his quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, back-to-back 25-plus point weeks. You got to say, if you're in a, a bind where your quarterback is either you know injured or you don't have – say you have Jared Goff as your fantasy quarterback, I think I'd rather pick up Ryan Fitzpatrick off of final waivers this week and play him in the fantasy playoffs just based off of the matchups that he has moving forward. Two revenge games against the Jets and the Bengals and a bad Giants team. Fitzpatrick should be able to throw all over those three teams, and I honestly would rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick as my fantasy quarterback for the playoffs than Jared Goff. Usually that would be a take that would get you, you know, that would start obliterated. Yeah, but I agree in a sense because I have Jared Goff, and I sat him two weeks in a row for Captain Kirk Cousins. And this is the time of year where you can make those moves for your roster because this part of the season, teams are playing differently. The New England Patriots are going to play differently than the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Jets are going to play differently than the Carolina Panthers, Rams, now whatever. This is where you can pick up those guys on those rosters who are going to get volume and they're going to get targets and points. That is... A good pick in Fitzmagic. I have a couple. You could start Kyler Murray in one I like. Um, and then a couple other guys, too. Or you just got to look for them. Because Jared Goff went the entire month of November without, without throwing a, a touchdown. touchdown. And these, oh, yeah. these are the fantasy playoff matchups for the Los Angeles Rams. This coming week, Sunday Night Football, they are against the Seattle Seahawks. I don't trust Jared Goff there. No, week, I don't. Week 15. They go down to Jerry World and play the Dallas Cowboys. I don't trust Jared Goff there. Nope. And then, if you so happen to get to your fantasy championship week 16, have fun. A Saturday matchup at San Francisco. No thank you. Those are three negative matchups for Jared Goff. And like you said, I'd rather have a Ryan Fitzpatrick, a Kyler Murray, Kirk Coupons, as I like to call Kirk Cousins... I'd rather have any of those three over Jared Goff for the fantasy playoffs. Oh, 100%. He has not been the Jared Goff that you drafted. I drafted him pretty in the mid-range rounds, taking out and get a good value for him. And I did the first half of the season. And then when it mattered, he did not show up for me. And when Kirk Cousins is outshining you, that's a problem. Absolutely. Uh, Some interesting names here that finished in the top realm of fantasy points this week. Darius Geis, playing against the Carolina Panthers, 27.7 fantasy points, 10 rushing attempts, but on those 10 rushing attempts, 129 yards and two touchdowns. Down the stretch, the Washington Redskins play at Green Bay, a team notorious for giving up rushing yards. They play home against Philadelphia, and then Week 16, home against the New York Giants. Dare I say Darius Geis is a low-key kind of in-the-mix flex play for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I would I would play him if you needed to. I still trust AP in a sense because he's still there and he's still Adrian Peterson, you know. So I think they are going to still rely on his veteran leadership and all that and the Redskins can still make the playoffs. It's still very possible for them to make the playoffs. And they can finish it's stupid. It's it's unbelievable. If the Eagles and Cowboys both have to finish six and ten, and the Redskins have to win out. 
I could see them upsetting the Eagles. That would be the dumbest thing to ever happen in the NFC East in the history of the division. I could see that happening. I, The Eagles did not look good on Sunday. They did not. And the Redskins and the uh, Dolphins, teams who literally started out at the bottom of the barrel, they're climbing their way back. And Stupid. it's for all for nothing. It, in, in reality, the Dolphins and Bengals winning and whatever, that's that means nothing. The Redskins winning means something. It's if they so can dumb. come back after everything that's happened, that would be a hell of a story for the 100th year of the NFL. It is so dumb. Uh, Lead, not... Led by Dwayne Haskins? Oh my Terry God. McLaurin? Is Dwayne Haskins going to be taking selfies after every game? Well, I mean, if he leads him to a wild card Saturday, he can take as many selfies <laughs> as he pleases. Here's here's a, a fun question for you. We talked about Jared Goff. This next guy I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about. He is owned in eleven percent of Yahoo leagues right now at the worst depth position in fantasy football being the tight end position. Can you name who I'm talking about? He plays for the LA Rams. Is it Gerald Everett? It is his counterpart, actually, Tyler Higby, who I am currently, you know, investing stock in right now because Tyler Higby has been getting the target share. Gerald Everett, sure, he's getting the target share, but Tyler Higby as well. This past week against the Arizona Cardinals, sure, it's the Cardinals. They're the worst team against the tight end in the NFL. But Tyler Higby had 23.7 fantasy points, 8 targets, 7 catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Are we potentially picking up Tyler Higby for the fantasy stretch run just based off the fact the tight end position is absolutely atrocious when it comes to depth and, you know, you never want anybody to get injured, but if your tight end happens to go down, Jared Goff's going to have to dink and dunk in these next three matchups. I think Tyler Higby's an under-the-radar kind of tight end to stash that you can have on your roster if need be. If need be, I would pick him up if you can afford the depth. Because right now, this is where your depth becomes so crucial in the fantasy playoffs because there are guys that if you looked at your Week 2 matchup, we'll say and debated on which to start, you're obviously picking just the better player. But now you really have to look at your matchups. You have to look at who's playing who. What does this team have to do? Do they need to win this game? So if they don't need to, yes, Higby's great. Just start him. They're going to feed him the ball, young guy. And I, But I don't – I think. I mean, I think he'll be a good start and all that. I would not – start him immediately this week because you have to realize that there are going to be guys that just have a breakout game to kind of get the quarterback or whatever player back in rhythm. So this could have been just that type of game. But absolutely there is value there. Keep them if you can afford the depth. That's my uh, stance on it. Absolutely. And especially if you're in a league like mine where your free agency locks after these final waivers clear uh, on Wednesday and you can't pick anybody else up you got to load up on the depth and kind of maneuver your roster and be ready for the playoffs. I'm going to list off some of these guys that finished in the top performers. Uh, you tell me if you trust them moving forward for the playoffs or if they should be on your bench. Sounds good. Alshon Jeffrey this week. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Obviously, 137 yards and a touchdown on nine receptions. His, his matchups are all divisional games for the playoffs. Monday Night Football against the Giants at Washington – and then that Week 16 showdown with Dallas. 
Is Alshon Jeffrey a feasible fantasy option for the playoffs, or are you kind of sitting him on your bench? I'm starting him. I'm starting Alshon Jeffrey. We already talked about it. He's the only wide receiver capable of catching a pass in Philadelphia. He is a big-time player. He's a deep threat, and they need they need that back. That needs to be back in Carson Wentz's artillery. So I'm absolutely starting Alshon Jeffrey. We saw glimpses of 2018 Robert Woods this week against the Cardinals. 19 targets, 13 receptions, 172 yards. We talked about the matchups that the Rams have. Is Robert Woods a guy you should be relying on for the fantasy stretch run? Yes, because Jared Goff has two favorite receivers, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. He used the you he used those guys to really air the ball downfield. He trusts Robert Woods and He's been a lead receiver all season. He's a good wide receiver to start. I'm absolutely starting him. Here's a fun fact for everybody. We are heading into week 14, and Robert Woods has not caught a touchdown pass all season yet. That's brutal. That's hard to but, believe. I mean, that's, but, you, it's, but that's the thing is that there's guys that are not going to catch touchdowns that are still going to be valuable for you for your lineup. He ran in a touchdown uh, I forget what week it was, but I remember that. So watch out for those trick plays. I don't know. I'm a big Robert Woods guy. I think he's going to have a great mm-hmm. week. And I think that you just can't. He's one of those guys, unless it's a ridiculous matchup, you just have to plug in your lineup every week. Let's take a look at two interesting running backs. Uh, this guy was given a touchdown by his counterpart, Rashad Penny. Back-to-back weeks of at least 18 fantasy points. His matchups are at the Rams, at Carolina, and then home against Arizona. Is Rashad Penny a feasible flex play? Flex, yes. I do not start him anything more. I would not start him if you are if you can afford to, because Chris Carson is the back. But if you are desperate and are looking for a goal line touchdown or a couple goal line touchdowns, it looks like Pete Carroll's using him in that offense. I would not start him if you need him anything more. So I essentially I would say no. The human battering ram, as I like to call him, Derrick Henry from your Tennessee Titans. The past three weeks that they've had games has had at least over 25.5 fantasy points. His stretch run is at Oakland, home against Houston, home against the Saints. You never know what the Saints are going to be doing in week 16 since they've already locked up the division. Could have home field advantage locked up there. I think Derrick Henry is a running back one for the fantasy playoffs. Derrick Henry was drafted to be my running back two, like hopefully be a running back two and just be a solid flex every week. He is now the top five ranked running back in all of fantasy football. There is a reason that people cannot tackle him, and it is because he is so big. Yes, he starts out slow, but the reason he starts out so slow is because of his just being so big that defenses are going to get tired. They're going to get worn down trying to tackle him. That's when he breaks out and has those monster gains and gets you those monster points. Derrick Henry is an absolute must-start on any team. In my opinion, he's the number two, actually number three, behind Dalvin Cook for top three running backs of the year. I couldn't agree more. I think he's going to be an absolute game-changer and could win a lot of people their leagues. Let's talk about that tight end position. Uh, one, Mike Gisecki 
had a fantastic week against my Eagles. Is he a feasible play at the tight end position, in your opinion? Uh, even as, you know, the Miami Dolphins aren't great, but he's catching the ball. He's getting the targets. He's the probably number two target share behind, obviously, Devontae Parker. But back-to-back weeks of double-digit points uh, for full-point PPR fantasy. Caught touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. He's at the Jets, at the Giants, and then home against the Bengals. Mike Jacecki is on my radar as a, a playable tight end down the stretch. In, if you are in a deep league of 12 to 14, maybe think about it. Other than that, no. He's just one of those guys that random tight ends that is going to pop off uh, every once in a blue moon. The Dolphins are going to just – Devonta Parker is their guy. I just – I don't see him having any sort of relevance face. Even after this one week. How about this guy right here? Plays for the Minnesota Vikings. He's determined to find out who Lizzo was dating. It's Kyle Rudolph. He's had four straight weeks of double-digit fantasy points. He's getting a lot more targets than he has been, you know, to start the season and in years past with uh, Kirk Coupons leading the way. They are home against Detroit at the Chargers, which is essentially a home game for the Vikings because the fans will travel there. And then Fantasy Championship Weekend, they are the final game Monday Night Football against Green Bay in Minnesota. For that reason alone, I love Kyle Rudolph because you kind of get that Monday Night Advantage in the final fantasy matchup of the season. Plus, he's been getting the targets. He's getting like five to six targets. He's catching damn near all of them, and he's scoring touchdowns. I think Kyle Rudolph, if he's available on waivers for you, you should pick him up. And if he's on your roster, you should be playing him for the rest of the season. Kyle Rudolph is the prime example of a red zone tight end. He's going to get you just high single-digit points. He's not. Don't expect him to have those big games and big yards and all that. He's going to be someone that you need the tight end to get six or more points for your matchup. Plug him in. Kirk Cousins relied on him. We saw what happened Monday night in uh, against Seattle. I really love Kyle Rudolph moving forward because he's a reliable tight end. He's one of those guys that is always around and always makes But I'm absolutely sorry to get him for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I think he's going to be absolutely dynamic and a game changer. And uh, just like Derrick Henry, could be a guy that ends up winning you your league because he does have that Monday night game in the championship matchup. Before we move on to some of our stinkers of the week, Patty Pitts, i got to talk to the people about our friends at trophysmack.com. The fantasy playoffs are here, guys. You got to get ready. You got to get the bling ready. And Trophy Smack is the place to go for all your fantasy championship needs. Pat, let me just tell you what our friends provide. They've got trophies. They've got rings. They even have championship belts. Yep. Sign me up right now. All of their items come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee and they are completely customizable and can be engraved however you need. If you order yours today, so you tell me if I got. So you tell me if I got a belt with my name on it, I can get that right now. You can get that right now. Belt with Patty Pitts written right across, engraved on there. And if you order today, you get the first engraving for free, and free shipping. It's a game changer. That's, how you, that's that's a deal, man. 
You can't beat That's it. That's so, a game changer if I ever heard one. Plus, I have more for the people. If you use our promo code GOALLINE, that's G-O-A-L-L-I-N-E, all one word, at checkout, you get a free championship ring with the purchase of any trophy or belt. That ring is valued at $59. You get it for free. I want a free ring. That's... You can't always... get a free ring with that, that's... You can't always bring the trophy or the belt with you. Say you're traveling. Say you're going to work. You can't bring the trophy with you to work, but you can wear that ring. And if you use that promo code GOALLINE, you can get that free ring with any purchase of a trophy or belt at TrophySmack.com. So don't settle for less when you can get the best from our friends at TrophySmack. Use that promo code GOALLINE, G-O-A-L-L-I-N-E, at checkout. Get a free championship ring that is valued at $59 with the purchase of any trophy or belt you get free shipping, and your first engraving is free. Shout out to our friends at TrophySmack.com. Patty Pitts, there was a lot of stinkers this week as well. And some of them got me worried. There's so many. Some of them got me worried as we head into the fantasy playoffs. A lot of them being at the running back position. And they are game changers, normally. So I'm going to talk to you about four guys at the running back position that just terrify me. For the fantasy playoffs and the stretch run here. Number one, he's on a bad team. He's kind of coming back from injury. Devontae Freeman, 51 yards on 17 rushing attempts for only 10.4 fantasy points this week against the Saints. He's got matchups against Carolina, on the road against San Francisco, and then home championship week against Jacksonville. I don't think I can trust Freeman even as a flex for the fantasy playoffs. No, and right now he's the 31st ranked running back, uh, according to ESPN Fantasy. He only has 422 yards this season, no touchdowns. He's just someone that I just do not trust going into the playoffs. That's a stat line that you look at and you think that he's a backup at this point. I mean, Edo Smith would probably be a better play than Devontae Freeman this week. Uh, I'm staying away from him. A guy out in Oakland, he's a rookie, potentially the offensive rookie of the year. Two matchups the the past two weeks where you would think he would have shredded the teams he was playing against. Sure, he ran for 100 yards on the Kansas City Chiefs, but he couldn't score on them. Has not scored a touchdown since week 10. It's Josh Jacobs. He's got matchups home against Tennessee and Jacksonville and then on the road against the Chargers. I don't know how I feel about Josh Jacobs for the fantasy playoffs. I think Josh Jacobs will be fine throughout the fantasy playoffs. Tennessee is going to be a tough game, but they're at home and they host Jacksonville at home. The Chargers will not be a bad game as well, and Denver has a banged-up defense. Or if you play a Week 17 fantasy championship, I like those matchups. Josh Jacobs is one of the most explosive running backs in the league right now. He's so fun to watch because you kind of get a little bit of Maurice Jones-Drew in there with him and the way he runs the ball it's perfect for a John Gruden offense and the Raiders are a good team it may not look like it right now but they are a good team it will turn the wheels will turn back around against Tennessee this week here's a guy that I love with all my heart and soul he's a rapper off the field but his team absolutely stinks he has not performed well in his you know realm of things I'd say this season 
and that's because the coaching stinks, the scheme stinks, and the offense stinks. That's Le'Veon Bell against the Cincinnati Bengals. Only 10 rushing attempts for 32 yards for 10.7 fantasy points. He's got matchups at home against Miami, a short week, Thursday night football at Baltimore, a team he knows well, but Baltimore playing really well, the number one seed in the AFC. And then if you happen to get to your week 16 championship, he's got the revenge game at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lev's a guy that feeds off of, you know, that controversy and kind of that chip on his shoulder. But that Baltimore matchup scares me, and just the fact that he can't get anything going, especially with the type of runner he is, it scares me to kind of rely on him as the RB1 that a lot of people drafted him as. And I think he's more of an RB2 flex option for the fantasy stretch run. Yeah, he's a flex option in my in my book. He's the 12th running back right now, according to ESPN. And he's had a tough year. This is not the Le'Veon Bell that we have seen in years past. These are pretty average numbers. These are just top 20 back type numbers. And he gets it because he catches the ball. He's a pass catching back, which is extremely crucial to have in an offense. And it's going to waste right now in the New York offense. And, I mean, they have Miami, so that could be a good matchup. Baltimore is going to be tough, and Pittsburgh is going to be tough, too. Um, you see what you can do this week, but if guys step up in the 15-16 because, you know, sitting out or whatever, I would look to start that moment. Here's a guy that's very interesting to me just because his team is very good. He's got two kind of down matchups in the final three weeks of the season, and he's kind of been pedestrian from the way that we've come to know him. That's Alvin Kamara from the New Orleans Saints. He's got matchups this week. At home against San Francisco, then home Monday Night Football against the Colts, and then that championship week they are on the road at Tennessee. Two very good defenses in the 49ers and the Titans in that stretch there. Plus, Alvin Kamara has been pretty pedestrian when it comes to just running the ball. He's done done a lot of catching uh, for this Saints team when he's been on the field. Obviously missed a couple weeks with injury, but how do you feel about Alvin Kamara moving forward with those matchups that he has? I mean, we just talked about the number 12 back in the league. Now let's go to the 13th. I love Kamara. I think Alvin Kamara is one of the top five best running backs in the league, arguably top three. Playing against San Francisco is going to be tough this week, but you have to start him because he's such an X-factor player that he could go off against that great of a defense. And he finishes the year with Indy and Tennessee. I mean, those are pretty two matchups that he could explode against especially a defense in indianapolis where it looks like they're done it looks like that frank Wright comeback is kind of we're shutting the curtain on it so i think that kamar is a huge play and if you have him i mean that's rb1 talent right there leading you to a fantasy championship here's the guy that a lot of people debated about drafting number one overall and I'm, no, I'm not talking about, as Mikey would say, the best player on the planet, Christian McCaffrey. I'm talking about Saquon Barkley. Three straight weeks, not great Saquon performances. And this week against a Green Bay team, sure, it was snowing, but you would think you'd want to use your running back more. 19 rushing attempts for 83 yards, no touchdowns. Saquon has not scored a touchdown since the first game he came back from his injury which was all the way back in week seven. 
He's got matchups at Philadelphia on Monday Night Football this week, then home against the Dolphins, then at Washington. Three very positive matchups for Saquon, but you know he wasn't able to take take advantage of teams like Green Bay and the Jets. What's your thought on Saquon? Because I'm kind of nervous. I'm not, I would be nervous too, but you have to start him every week. He's an RB2 right now uh, in my book, 20th ranked running back. I, I think at this point of the year, everyone would have thought he would be close to 700, 800, 900 yards rushing for the, for the year. 554 and two touchdowns. That that's the that was my number one overall pick this year. It, you hate to see it. The Giants' offense is really just—they're playing catch up. They're—they're they're just learning what works and what doesn't right now with Danny Franchise uh, leading the pack. I don't—I don't like Barkley this week. You have to start him though because one of those matchups are just really good on paper. So my logic I always have to go with the matchups. But if you stashed away some running backs who had low value at the start of the year and now are in that top ten. Uh, top 15 conversation, I think you're starting them over to Saquon. Here's a guy at the wide receiver position that has not had a great past couple weeks, uh, and that is Tyreek Hill. Against the Chargers before the bye week, had two targets, no receptions. Against Oakland this past week in an absolute molly whopping, eight targets, five catches, 55 yards, 10.10 full point PPR fantasy points, and here is his fantasy playoff schedule. This week, the Chiefs head to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. Then they're back home against Denver. And then championship week, Sunday night football, as of now, at Chicago. Tyreek Hill terrifies me for the fantasy stretch. Sure, he is your pure definition of boom or bust. But I don't know if I can trust him in any of those matchups with how well those defenses play against wide receivers. I will be lucky enough to be able to see this live because I'll be going game on Sunday. So I'm excited to see Tyreek Hill and Pat Mahomes live. I don't think that uh, it's going to be a good offensive game. I think Tyreek will have Tyreek Hill will have the numbers that you expect a player of his caliber to have. I think this boogeyman defense is still the boogeyman, but they're not as scary and as dominant as they were in the first half of the season. I think this is a very high-scoring game. I see Tyreek Hill doing well. Denver, I see him doing well against that broken defense. And then Chicago in the championship, that that scares me. But if he has two games, two good games in a row, why not start him in the third? Here's a guy that everybody invested insane draft capital in back in August. And he has had arguably the worst season of his career. He plays for the overhyped Cleveland Browns, Odell Beckham Jr. Has not had a 100-yard receiving game since week six against the Seattle Seahawks and has only had two 100-yard receiving games this season, the other coming against the New York Jets all the way back in week two. So he has been held since the bye week without 100 yards receiving and this past week against Pittsburgh. Three catches for 29 yards. His fantasy stretch run is a little appetizing. Cleveland hosts Cincinnati this week. Then they're on the road at Arizona in Week 15. And then divisional matchup against the team they beat this year against Baltimore in Cleveland. 
I don't know how you can trust Odell as anything more than like a wide receiver three flex play in any of these matchups just based off of the track record we have this year with how Freddie Kitchens in this offense is absolutely just terrible. Yeah. The running, we talked a lot about a lot of running backs tonight. And we talked about how you have to start Le'Veon Bell. You have to start Derrick Henry. You have to start Saquon Barkley. You don't have to start Odell Beckham Jr. He's not getting the targets. He has right now, it's a career low in receptions on the year, yards, and touchdowns. That is a man you traded for to be your number one wide receiver and lead this revolutionary offense team, young, rebel, whatever you want to call it, to a divisional title and then eventually a couple playoffs win, playoff wins. Right now, Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the worst wide receivers in the league for fantasy purposes. I unfortunately have him in the league where I am the number one overall team. That is because I have Christian McCaffrey and Russell Wilson. Best players so, on the planet. Exactly. So with the good, you get the bad. And I got the bad with Odell Beckham Jr. I am sitting him because I'm going to give you one name that you, if I said to you in week one I would start this person over Odell, you'd think I'm crazy. It's Kenny Galladay. Yes. Kenny Galladay is going to be a very important weapon for the upcoming fantasy playoffs. David Blau, he can do something. It's the Lions. They don't, they're not fighting for a playoff spot. They're fighting for pride at this point. And <laughs> they need pride. pride. Lions. Want, there you go. <laughs> you just see what I do. Low-key Alliance fans. Uh, so if you start, you're going to start, you're going to do well if you start Kenny Gallagher. You're, you're going to because who else is there to throw to? Marvin Jones will sometimes Boomer be bust. Boomer bust. Kenny Gallagher is consistent. They lost Hawkinson to IR. They lost on Johnson to IR. Stafford is not pretty much on IR. Pretty much on IR. He he would play if the doctors allowed him. I see Kenny Galladay being a better start these next three or four weeks if you do week seventeen over Odell Beckham Jr. The fantasy playoffs are going to be interesting, and they get started on Thursday. Patty Pitts, let's dive into the week fourteen slate. Kicking things off, Thursday night football, those stinking Dallas Cowboys get primetime once again at Chicago. Who do you like in this matchup in terms of fantasy-relevant players to kick off the playoffs? Uh, I love Ezekiel Elliott. I think that even though the Bears' D is good, Ezekiel Elliott is better, obviously. Um, I think that the Cowboys' offense turns it around, primetime stage. This is where... This is where the big boys play. If you want to win that division and you have the talent, and if Jason Garrett's job isn't really on the line, this is where you prove it. I think Dak is a massive game, and Mitch Trubisky, we just see him do Mitch Trubisky things. I totally agree. I think in this game, Bears-wise, I trust Allen Robinson, and that's about it. Mitch Trubisky stinks. If he's your fantasy quarterback, I have no idea how you're in the playoffs. And all the other weapons are completely inconsistent. I like Zeke in this matchup. I like Michael Gallup in this matchup. Uh, he's been arguably more consistent than Amari Cooper for the, the length of the season. Obviously, you're going to play Amari Cooper because you drafted him as a number one wide receiver. But other than that, I mean, you're probably going to play Dak as well in this game. I don't like him in this matchup. But uh, this game's going to be interesting, and I somehow think the Bears win it. There's a reason the Cowboys lead the league in yards per game, and it's because of Dak Prescott, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper. 
Ezekiel Elliott in there, and that's a win for the Cowboys. It's going to be an interesting matchup. I need the Bears to win, so that might be a little bit of bias there. But we've got. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I understand that point. We've got an NFC South matchup. The newly fired head coach, Carolina Panthers, head to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. This matchup is always interesting. And uh, as I like to say, Pat Pitts, on this show. This is what we call a popcorn game. You are playing every fantasy-relevant player in this game. That is Christian McCaffrey, Greg Olson if he's healthy, the two wide receivers, Curtis Samuel and uh, DJ Moore. And then from the Falcons, if Julio suits up, you're playing him. Calvin Ridley, Matty Ice, dare I say, yes, Devontae Freeman because I think he can do some things against the Panthers. I'm playing everybody possible. I I get Yes, this is a popcorn game from what I think, uh, what I kind of understand here is that this is going to be, if if you have to bet on this game in some sort of capacity, bet the over. Just bet the Absolutely. over. There's not going to be any defense. Just that's why this is a great game for fantasy owners who have no allegiance. Just watch it because you're going to be wild with all the offense. Yeah, and it's it's a divisional game. They always go crazy, so you have to literally play everybody in this matchup. Another game that is going to be interesting in this 1 o'clock slate, an interconference matchup this late in the season is rare, but we've got the Colts heading to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. I don't know how I feel about this game. Uh, the Buccaneers are terrible against the pass, so Jacoby Brissett, you're obviously going to play in my book. Sure, he doesn't have a lot of weapons, but the tight ends intrigue me in this game, and... Tampa Bay-wise, you're playing the two wide receivers and Jameis Winston. Uh, I, I have such a, a love-hate relationship with Jameis Winston. so, um, But I like, I like this game for another reason, offensive purposes. I think Jameis goes to town. I think this is a game where we see Jameis go crazy. But then again, I also see the Colts going crazy too on offense because both teams, they're struggling defensively right now. And the Colts, they look broken. They look very broken, especially after how they lost last week. And in the division right now, it looks like losing Marlon Mack has killed them. I would 100% agree with that because Marlon Mack was the vocal point of your run game. It looked like you were going to find your next kind of Edron James type back in Indy. And he's out for the year, and that hope is gone. I think Frank Reich's comeback juice is uh, running out. It's tough, and uh, this game is going to be interesting because I think Tampa Bay has a chance to pull it out if they get the ball to both guys. They can't kind of focus on Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. you got to spread the wealth, and if they can diversify this offense in any way, get Rojo involved a little bit on the ground, the Buccaneers can pull an upset. One person before we move on to the next game that I do want to talk about is Zach Pascal. He has been a great plug-in to play at a flex position especially right now in the playoffs. He's someone, because T.Y. Hilton's dealing with injury, they might take Paris Campbell out. Um, playing against the worst gonna, passing defense in the league. You're playing against the worst passing defense in the league. Why, If they're all healthy, use all of them. But Jacob Brissett has now developed a rapport with Pascal. I mean, I, I don't see his uh, production yeah, I think soon. Pascal and Jack Doyle are my kind of locks from uh, receiving standpoints for the Colts in this game. Yeah. 
definitely agree with that. Moving on to arguably the worst matchup of the week. The Dolphins head to North Jersey to take on the Jets. Devontae Parker, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mike Jacecki. Those are your locks from the Dolphins. From the Jets, you got to play Lev. I'd play Sam Darnold, even though I'm not 100% confident in it. And that's really all I trust. I don't know how I feel about the wide receivers from the Jets just because their offense has been absolute trash. And there's no kind of faith in that. And you don't want to have guys in your lineup that you can't trust, especially in week one of the playoffs. Exactly. You you need guys that you can rely on heading into the playoffs. And I think that, yeah, that, I agree with that statement. Let's get to the game of the week. It's unfortunately at 1 o'clock, but it's going to be the popcorn game of week 14. That is the San Francisco 49ers heading down to the bayou, playing against the New Orleans Saints in Louisiana. This is a popcorn game. You are sprinkling every kind of topping on your popcorn for this one. I like Debo Samuel. I like George Kittle to have a nice bounce-back game. Whatever running back you want to play from the 49ers, they're going to be catching the ball. Jimmy G is a, a streamable option, in my opinion, just because of how much offense is going to be involved. And then on the Saints side, it's obviously Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and potentially Jared Cook. Potentially. You always got to throw in Jared Cook there for potentially because Drew Brees does love his tight ends in the red zone. This game's going to be fun. I just want to sit back and watch this, this game. game. It's, it, they're, they're two 10-2 two, two teams. They're playing at the Superdome. They're two exciting teams as well that love to air it out, but also have a, both have great defenses. You have Nick Bosa for the Niners. You have Aaron Jordan for the Saints. It's This is going to be a really fun game to watch. You got Lattimore. You got Richard Sherman. If he's able to suit up, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for that one. Pat Pitts, on this show, we have a fun little uh, side segment during the matchup breakdowns, and it's your wonky point spread of the week. We actually have a tie this week, so there are two of them that I'm going to ask you about. The first one comes in this matchup in Minnesota. Detroit at the Vikings as we sit here on Tuesday. The point spread right now is the Vikings at minus 13.5. Do you have the Vikings or the Lions covering the spread? Lions covering the spread. I do not bet. I know the Lions, uh, I think, better than I know some things about my own life sometimes <laughs> because uh, I have a special warm place for the Lions uh, and following them. I've actually bet on them throughout the year, and I have actually a winning record. I think of like 8-3 and three or something. So this is a game where – you, they just want to win. So they're going to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, at you. The Vikings, that was a tough loss. That was a brutal loss on Monday Night Football. And I think the Vikings will win. I, I just they, I think they will win. That's kind of like Kirk Cousins comes back because he does look like a different quarterback. But they will not cover. They will not cover the 13-point spread. I see this being a Dan Bailey field goal to win. If... Dalvin Cook cannot suit up in this game. Do you like Mr. Alexander Madison? No, I love him because Alex Madison is a running back, is one of those crafty backs who just loves to run. 
he is so fast and his ability to find a gap and shoot it and get into open space is unbelievable and the Vikings need a good running game right now because from what they have Kirk Cousins doing with a good running game it's working so if it ain't broke don't fix it so yeah I see Alex Madison having a lot of value flex maybe RB2 if you're struggling overall in this game Kenny Galladay is my real only option from the Lions that I'm playing I don't trust Marvin Jones in this game Vikings wise you're obviously going to play Stefan Diggs you got to see if Adam Thielen's even going to be able to suit up uh, if he doesn't, that just increases the stock of Kyle Rudolph for me. And then uh, Kirk Coupons. But that's all you're really playing in this game. That's all you should really be touching in this game. I agree. I would, I would say that too. Another fun matchup, AFC style. Broncos at Texans. My man Cortland Sutton is putting the world on notice. You should be playing him every single week. Uh, I like Philip Lindsay as a flex option this week just because the Texans' defense, it has holes. You can run on it. We saw what James White did against the Texans this week. Philip Lindsay, kind of that hybrid back, can catch balls out of the backfield. I like him as a low-end flex. Texans-wise, it's the obvious. It's Deshaun Watson. The Any receiver you have, you're playing them. How do you feel about Duke Johnson and the tight end position situation in Houston with uh, Mr. Fells. I love Mr. Fells. He is an app. He's, he's like a basketball player playing tight end. He goes up there and reaches for the ball. Like it's nothing like it in, like it in a pass inside the paint because he's so massive. And if you just get in the ball, you will do something with it. He's a perfect weapon for Deshaun Watson to kind of bail him out, be a safety valve. And then at the same time, when you have to worry about him, we also have to worry about the number one wide receiver in the league in my book and DeAndre Hopkins being just an absolute open target and monster when the ball is fed to him. So I like the Texans a lot. I don't like the Broncos. Their defense is broken. If you don't have Von Miller, you don't have a defense. That's fair. I like Cortland Sutton, and I kind of like Noah Font in this game just because I'm sorry, Noah Fant. Yeah. The, the Texans' defense is beatable at any position, and I think if you need a guy, say you your tight end is down, you don't like the matchup. I think Noah Font's a guy that you can play and uh, find some success this week as kind of a guy that helps you win your week one playoff matchup. Here's another popcorn game on the slate at 1 o'clock, though. The Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, and the Fun Squad, they head to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen and Bills Mafia. Play every single human possible in this game. Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Hollywood Brown, uh, you know, Mark Andrews, Bills-wise, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Cole Beasley, John Brown, everybody possible. Start Frank Gore. Frank Don't. Gore, the legend Start that is Frank, Frank Gore. The number three all-time leading rusher. Everybody that in this game is going to be fantasy relevant one way or another. It's, I, I, this, there's times when, I don't. I wish I wasn't a Patriots fan because of there's certain teams that you just love to love, and the Bills are one of them. Especially now, they're a team to love because Josh Allen is such a likable quarterback. And he's really changed the the franchise around, turned it around. John Brown's a wicked fun run uh, wide receiver to throw the ball downfield to because of his speed. Devin Singletary, great uh, rookie running back, and then Frank Gore 
who I'm surprised hasn't grabbed his walker yet. <laughs> and he's still unbelievable, too. And he still looks like he could go another year. Cole Beasley's doing things, huge. too. He's kind of like a hybrid underneath tight end that has wide receiver speed for Josh Allen. Exactly, yeah. Play it's, everybody. It's really interesting to see the Bills, you know, bring it together. And if it if Sean McDermott is making a case for himself to be coach of the year. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I think these two coaches coaching against each other are your coach of the year candidates with McDermott and John Harbaugh. This game's going to be a lot of fun, just like like 49ers and Saints. I'm looking forward to this game as well from an AFC perspective. A game I'm not looking forward to is uh, the Battle of Ohio, the Bengals at the Browns. Only Bengal I'm playing is Tyler Boyd, Browns-wise. I'm playing the running backs and Jarvis Landry. I, I this this is what I'm gonna call the napple. So during this game, this is where oh you know what I'm kind of hungry. I'm gonna go make some food. Oh I gotta go run this errand. You're not missing much. You know you, you can you can go and miss this game. This really is not going to affect anything or anyone. And if you have anyone starting your team for either of these teams, maybe OBJ if you're if you're a truther and you're trying to just get value, but uh, I'm not starting any, any yeah, of these teams. This game's atrocious. Uh, let's head to the tie for the wonky point spread of the week. Washington heads to historic Lambeau Field to take on the Packers. Right now, it has flipped from a 13.5 point uh, favorite for the Packers to just 13, but it was pretty close to Minnesota and Detroit, so three of the four NFC North teams involved here. Packers or Washington covering the spread here at minus 13 for the Packers? I'm, pe- I'm picking Packers to win, Washington to cover, because Washington is fighting. They're not dead. They need to win. It. You told the Redskins that they have a shot at playoffs, I'm pretty sure they're all running through walls right now trying to make that happen. And I don't see them winning this game. I, I wish I could say they will, but it, 13 points a lot. I think it will be a touchdown, maybe touchdown and a field goal. But the, the Redskins have no offense. Dwayne Haskins is not going into Lambeau and beating Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to absolutely carve this team up. He is going to dissect them like a surgeon just like he did to the Giants. It took a little bit because of the snow, but the Packers are going to absolutely destroy Washington, and uh, you're playing every single Packer possible in this game. Washington-wise, I'd really only trust either of the running backs, whether it's Geis or AP. I don't really trust anybody else from a consistency standpoint that I'd want to start in the fantasy playoffs from Washington. What's your percent chance that Washington wins this game? I will give it a 5% chance, and I'm being generous. I'll go 9. I'll go 9. 9% chance. Not right at double digits, but don't... Glimmer of hope, just like their playoff chances. Exactly. Just If they, if there's a glimmer of hope they can make the playoffs, there's a glimmer of hope they can win this game. Let's head to the 4 o'clock games. 4.05, Chargers at Jaguars. I think I hear my microwave. This is a popcorn game. You're playing every offensive weapon possible. Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Jaguars-wise, Leonard Fournette, D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Chark. Load them up. This game is going to be a lot of points. Yeah. 
yeah, they, these teams are not known for their defense. They're known for their offense. It's in Jacksonville. It's going to be warm. Both teams like to play in the warm, and both teams like to put up points. I'm going to go. I think that L.A. will defeat Jacksonville, but very a lot to a little. This is a, a no, high no, scoring. It's going to be 41, 41. It's going to be like a 41 uh 38 game. Yeah, there's going to be offense in this game, and you need to play every single player you have possible. Don't let me forget Hunter Henry as well. One of the best tight ends in the league. Steelers at Cardinals kicks off 425. Duck Hodges throwing the ball for the Steelers, making them look good. How do you feel about Deontay Johnson in this game? Um... I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't really like any of the Steelers in this game. I don't think that there's anyone on that team that's fantasy relevant except for Juju. Um, I don't see him being any sort of impact, uh, making any sort of impact. Here's my hot take: Play Vance McDonald. You're playing against the Cardinals, the worst defense against tight ends in the NFL. Vance McDonald is going to have a day. Do the Vance dance, baby. He is going to be dancing in the end zone. I will. I will give him that. I will say that I do like Vance McDonald. I just wouldn't. I have in my matchup in my my league. I would start over. But if you can start Vance McDonald, it's not a bad start. What I said before about the touchdown. You just want him to get six. I think Vance McDonald will get at least six. The Cardinals are an interesting case here because the Steelers' defense since acquiring Minka Fitzpatrick have looked completely different. I don't know if I trust anybody from the Cardinals to actually start in this game. I like him from a football, like, real-life perspective. Don't like him fantasy-wise this week. No, I'm st- I'm not starting anyone who plays for the Arizona Cardinals. No, I, yeah, I might, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm staying away as much as possible. I like them more real-life to do things than I would rather risk my fantasy playoff opening matchup by playing an Arizona Cardinal. Titans at Raiders. Please play Derrick Henry. Please play any tight end that is healthy for the Titans. Play Ryan Tannehill. My boy, I will. I am taking a victory lap right now because I tweeted back in August that if Ryan Tannehill played for the Tennessee Titans, they would win more games. They are in a hunt to win that division because of Ryan Tannehill. Play him against this Raiders team. Raiders-wise, Derrick Carr. Really? I would start Derrick Carr. He's not bad. Like, that's the thing. The Raiders just get this kind of negative connotation or people think they're just done because of how the season started and just all the drama. But they're not a bad football team. I don't think he's – I don't think they're bad. I just don't like Derek Carr against this Titans defense. I know, but at the – I have – from not – from a fantasy perspective, streamable. If, like, for instance, Jared Goff, if you have Jared Goff, I like this matchup a little better. Um, but the Raiders are not bad. They Carr has Tyrell Williams and he, Darren Waller, the walrus. You know, he, he has some sort of weapons. And he has Josh Jacobs. So he has some sort of offense. I do like Derek Carr. Um, and I really like Josh Jacobs. I would start Josh Jacobs heavy. I would flex Josh Jacobs in this game just because the Titans defense is very good. It's very underrated, and they're playing, you know, for a playoff spot, as are the Raiders, but I think the Titans are kind of hitting that peak where they're on the rise right now, and they're going to have a hell of a game. 
It's going to be an interesting matchup, though, because this game pretty much determines what the Raiders are going to be doing. If they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot or if they're going to be back on the couch getting ready to uh, pack their things up and move to Las Vegas earlier than expected. Yeah. Primetime 425, though. Chiefs at Patriots. You'll be in attendance. Again, popcorn. Play, everybody. This game's going to be electric. It's a rivalry in my book. This game's going to be unreal. The I'm going to talk a lot about this on my show this week because uh, my co-host and I are both going. So I'm, I'm very excited for this game. I think this is going to have game of the year potential written all over it. I think that both teams have a lot to prove in this game. You have the Chiefs who low-key have been counted out in a sense, and they're, everyone's saying they're not the same Chiefs team. Everyone apparently is done chaining the Patriots, even with two losses, uh, and c- claiming that they're done. But the one thing about Brady, and, and this is just obviously my bias coming in, but I have counted out Brady more times than I have fingers on both my hands. The one thing I've learned is when you make Tom Brady an underdog, you just give up. You lost. Because that is when he thrives the most. All this news and all this media coverage right now is making Tom Brady seem like the underdog. They're not the favorites to win the Super Bowl anymore. According to the power rankings, they're number three behind the Niners and Ravens. Perfect. Tom Brady is going to have an electric game this week. They're going to figure out the wide receiver problem. Plus, they're coming off a loss. They're coming off a loss. The last thing you want, the last team you want to play coming off a loss is an angry Bill Belichick and Tom Brady Patriots. This is going to be an electric game, not only on the football field, but in the crowd as well. This is going to be this is going to be must-watch TV. It's going to be a lot of fun, just like Sunday Night Football. Cue the Carrie Underwood Seahawks at Rams. Again, you got to play everybody in this game. It's a divisional game. There's going to be offense to be had. But you also got to play that Seahawks defense because they're going to take advantage of Jared Goff's struggles. Although it's in L.A. and Jared Goff plays better in L.A., the Seahawks defense is going to take advantage of him You know, on this all-time low for him in his career. I think they're going to put up points, and you got to play every offensive weapon. Question for you, though, because he did go targetless uh, just last night. Tyler Lockett, how do we feel about him? Some games you go targetless and some games they can't stop feeding the ball. I think that was one of those games where the, the Vikings just game planned well. They they took out Russell Wilson's number one target and it just proved to not be enough. I think that this game that the Rams will try to do it but the Rams defense is not the same as they were last year when they were Super Bowl contenders. This is a broken defense and they're missing trading away Marcus Peters and getting Jalen Ramsey. I think was a downgrade in my opinion. It's a huge mistake because Jalen Ramsey has not been the same. The no, he's not. And and it's the annoying thing is that they just. I think they got caught up in the bright lights and the let's just get all the stars for our defense. Well, sometimes you can have all the stars that you want, but they just they don't add up. There's no chemistry to them. That's why I see the defense has right now. It's not the same Rams team. I think they're a middle-of-the-pack team that's good, not great now, but a, still an electric offense for fantasy purposes. But still, I see the Seahawks going in and winning this game, and it's a huge, huge divisional win for the Seahawks on the road. Couldn't agree more. 
you got to play all the offensive weapons from each team. Of Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, I think Josh Gordon puts up some points in this game as well just because of how much passing is going to occur. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, you can play them. Jacob Hollister, I like a lot in this game, especially in the red zone. If the Seahawks end up in a lot of red zone situations, Rams-wise, it's it's your typical Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Higby, Gerald Everett. Low-end flex Brandon Cooks just because he hasn't really been the same since coming back from the concussion, uh, but you can get away with playing him, I think, in this game. Because the Seahawks secondary, sure, it's good, but it's not Legion of Boom good. And then Todd Gurley, you're playing because you drafted him to play him. Don't know how he's going to perform in this game, but it's going to be interesting, especially since it's a, a divisional matchup. So literally every single offensive player in this game, Russ, Jared Goff, take yourself to the bench, though. I agree that if you could start someone else, stream another quarterback, do that this week over Goff. Monday Night Football, Giants. Coming into Philadelphia to take on my Eagles. What a terrible primetime game. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You, you guys need to wear black. You need to wear the all black. I would love that. That's my favorite uniforms we wear. We need to. Uh, we need a funeral to uh, start this, this stretch that's run. That's a statement win. When, if you guys wear the all black Monday night primetime, that's a statement. To the league. Fun fact. We debuted the all blacks against the Giants in primetime. I was at that game. It was electric. Do it again. I'm all about it. Giants-wise, you're obviously playing Saquon. If Evan Ingram is able to go, you're playing him. I don't really trust any wide receiver on this team because mostly they're not healthy. But if I had to play one, it would be Darius Slayton because Daniel Jones has a lot of chemistry with him. Uh, Golden Tate, if he's able to go, there's potential for him to have that pseudo-revenge game. Uh, Eagles-wise, Miles Sanders has looked amazing. Doug Peterson, stick to the running game, please. Play Miles Sanders this week. He's a great PPR play. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Alshon Jeffrey, Carson Wentz. Load up. Load up on Eagles this week and get rid of your Giants. I do not like the Giants in this matchup. It is always tough to play primetime at the link, especially in cold weather games. And the Eagles have something to prove, while I think the Giants are just proving they're a football team. Yeah, the Giants absolutely stink. Eagles need to win this game. They need to win out the rest of the season. What better way to do it than against the New York Giants? Patty Pitts, before we started recording, we're going to end this off here. I asked you, who's more entertaining? Antonio Brown on Twitter or Rob Gronkowski in retirement doing his entire retirement tour cheerleading for the Lakers, being on Fox, wearing a Steve Jobs turtleneck. Who's more entertaining? All right. I have to go with Antonio Brown on Twitter because this is my this is my reasoning. When Gronk does something, it's like it's like watching a little kid do something for the first time. It's like, oh that's adorable or oh look oh Gronk like that you know something like that. But when A B tweets something you just your eyes are glued to your phone, computer, or tablet, wherever you have social media. You are glued because you do not know what this man is saying, why he's saying it, and who is he saying this to. There's just so many questions with every sort of Antonio Brown tweet. I told you too, and I have no problem sharing this. I have notifications every time he tweets something because it's that entertaining. 
because I have no idea what's going to pop up next. And that is some of the best forms of entertainment where it's just, it's like Dennis Rodman took crazy pills, which is the funny, it's just, that is the only comparison I can give you is Dennis Rodman took some crazy pills. And that is Antonio Brown. That's absolutely amazing. I, I, I have no words other than make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI at goal underscore line underscore FFB. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Patty Pitts, drop the Twitter handle for him. Follow me at Pat underscore Pitts, P-I-T-T-S. And check out Pat's show, Fourth and Goal. Got a lot of stuff coming up with them. Uh, integrating them more into the network. So make sure you're following Patty Pitts on the Twitter machine and make sure you follow, follow us at fourth and goal FTV. I'll spell it out. It's the number four TH, the word and goal, and then capital FTV. And then make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five star ratings and reviews. Let us know your fantasy playoff conundrums. We'd love to answer them. We will do so on the show if you leave the reviews. Five stars only, though, because we have standards, and we know you do too. And then if you don't have an iPhone, you can follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app. You can follow and stream us on iHeartRadio, and subscribe to us on the Radio.com app. Playoffs are here, baby. Cue, cue the playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. Get it up. And uh, it's going to be exciting. Final stretch run of NFL football is here, and it's always a grand old time. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, that's why you got to check out our friends at trophysmack.com. Shout out to them for uh, sponsoring the show. We'll catch you guys next week. Again, shouts to Pat Pitts hopping on the show. And uh, for everybody here at the Goal Line Fantasy Football Podcast, shout out to Mikey. And uh, for everybody here at Underground Sports Philadelphia, I'm your boy KB, and we are signing off.